Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello. I'm Dave Berry, and I am fascinated by my next-door neighbour. His name is Neil Srinivasan, and he's a leading cardiologist. Whether it's when we're taking our kids to the local park or when we're sharing a pint or two down the pub, I've always been left with more questions about his profession than I've had answers. In The Doctor Next Door, I'll be asking Neil the burning questions that keep me up at night, dissecting medical myths under his watchful eye, and doing my utmost to learn more about an industry that is quite literally a matter of life and death. But this podcast isn't just here to feed my own curiosity. Oh, no. I want you to be involved as well. Let Neil also be your doctor next door. So if you have any questions, stories or comments, please do send them to doctor@nextdoorpod.com right now. So fans of this podcast, well, that's where Neil knocks at the door and comes in. But today on this episode, for the first time since we began, we are not at my kitchen table. We are at my place of work. My home between the hours of 6am and 10am, where I do my breakfast show from on Absolute Radio. Neil, welcome to my studio. Wow, David, thanks for having me here. Amazing. This is where dreams are made. Yeah, just so many pictures of myself all over the place, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Now, Neil, what's exciting? So uh, there's like a guest logbook uh, at reception. And um, I I spied it uh, earlier on this morning, ahead of your arrival. There are three people all arrived at the same time. They were Dr. Neil Srinivasan. Yeah. That's you, and you're here to do this with me. Yeah. The other two names under your name were Michael Buble. Woohoo! I love a bit of Buble. <laughs> He's in for magic. Oh, wow. And Craig David. Amazing. In for hits. Amazing. So we might see them walking around through the studio oh, glass. This is like my dream come true. You're excited? Yeah. Okay. In Incredible. that case, on with the pod. So, Doctor, as you're at my studio where I arrive very early every single morning, I have found inspiration for my first little question to you. I want to talk about yawning, because normally around this time, post-show, I'm doing a lot of it. I bet, yeah. But you're here now, so I'm excited. You're the the shot in the arm that I needed. Exactly, I've woken you up. My first thing is, is yawning really contagious, or is that an urban myth? When you see someone yawn, you yawn yourself. That's how it seems to be. No, I think that's that's true, David. So yawning is something that everybody does. And actually, it's a primal reflex. Animals do it. Lots of other species do it. And it's thought to be something that's part of our core evolutionary brain and part of a sort of degree of social interaction. So okay. when you yawn, other people yawn. And that's a sort of 
uh, ancient reflex of sorts that is involved in in sort of socialising, really. So animals do it. So it's a kind of way of saying, like, it's almost a physical way of saying, yeah, I hear you. So yeah. if you were on the train and you yawn, and it's someone yawns sitting opposite you, it's almost their way of saying, like, yeah, I know, I understand you're working hard and you're tired. I'm doing exactly the yeah. same thing. It's a, it's a sort of um, ancient sort of social reflex. It's done by birds, reptiles, fish, wow. and humans begin yawning in the womb at around 11 weeks gestation. So even as a sort of small, you know, fetus, you, you do begin to yawn. Can one yawn too much? So not really. You can yawn in certain conditions and there are certain times where you know people are feeling very sleepy their mind they may have for example mind fog and they're yawning all the time and in those situations it may be worth them checking things out with their gp getting some routine tests to make sure that there's not some reason why they're exceptionally tired certain hormone imbalances or blood test imbalances but really yawning has an important physiological function so you yawn when you're tired when your brain is slowing down when you're bored or, or or sometimes you yawn when you actually see certain people and it's related to your environment. And we think it's actually related to the brain temperature, brain temperature regulation. There is a study, for example, conducted some years back in 2014. They took about 120 patients and they found that yawning actually occurs less frequently in, in winter. So the brain temperature gets too far outside the, the norm and then in the summer and then you start inhaling air to kind of keep it cool. So it's actually a sort of cooling reflex. Oh, I, I thought it was because you needed to fill your lungs up. I thought it was your body's way of telling you that you're not breathing enough. No, it's, no, a, it's, it's actually okay. yeah, it's actually it's actually designed to sort of cool you down. There may also be some physiological aspects. So, for example, we know that we yawn a lot more when we're tired, and so by yawning, you do certain things in your reflexes, then that you result in squeezing of the arteries and squeezing of the veins. So you may increase blood to the brain in that sense. You also inhale a bit more to get more oxygen in, but that theory has largely been debunked by studies and it's something that isn't really fully understood we know lots of primates and lots of other animals do and the best studies suggest that actually it's related to temperature regulation why is it every time i offer up a medical theory on this podcast you follow it on by saying the words debunked (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay here's my next question for you doctor one of the most ridiculous faces any human being can pull is the one where they try to stifle a yawn yeah it looks like this yeah, and then you try to stop it. <laughs> yeah, um, is there is there another way of stopping yawns without looking ridiculous in front of your friends, family, and colleagues? Not really. I mean, yawning is kind of a natural reflex, so you should, you know, if you feel the need to yawn, you're going to have to yawn. The things you can do uh, is certain deep breathing exercises. So keep breathing in and out. That may help because it's doing the same concept. It's taking air in, cooling the blood, and perhaps cooling the brain a little bit. Get moving a bit, so you stimulate your brain to be a bit more awake. Get moving and get the blood flowing around and actually cooling yourself down so having this lovely cool air-conditioned room for instance that's probably why you do it in in, in the mornings because you get up and you keep you awake okay so that's yawning um let's leave it there for now because i think michael buble is about to arrive in the lift oh (gasps) michael wow he is (laughs) (laughs) neil The time has come for my favourite part of this podcast, and I know so many of our lovely subscribers feel the same because they get to learn something about the vast medical world in which you inhabit. It's time for Dave's medical training. So here you go, David. This is the exciting part, your favourite bit, and you've been doing really well in medical training. Thank you. So your first question is... What does the term brassica oleracea mean? relate to that's brassica 
oleracea relate to? Is it A, the collective name given to the bones in the ribcage? Is it B, the collective name given to the cells in your brain responsible for digestion? Or C, is it the collective name given to a species of vegetable? Broca oleacea. Brassica, B-R-A-S-S-I-C-A. Uh-huh. O-L-E-R-A-C-E-A Brassica oleracea OK, I've got it So your next question If you were suffering from a condition called paresthesia What would your symptoms be? Would it be temporary paralysis? Would it be a tingling sensation in your limb? Or would it be oversensitivity to smells? So paresthesia P-A-R-E-S-T-H-E-S-I-A What would your symptoms be? Temporary paralysis, tingling sensation in your limbs, or an oversensitivity to smells. You know, drawing that as well, I, <laughs> I thought that producer Ben was going to try and help me. It would have been the first time I've received any help during this quiz, but he was actually just stifling a yawn, ironically. <laughs> I looked over, I thought he was going to go, it's, it's A, it's it, A. It's clear, exactly. <laughs> but he wasn't, he was just covering his mouth. It's clearly contagious. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, you ready for question three? Oh, well, hang on, hang on a second. All right. It's all right for you. You're still thinking. You've already you've got your cheese and onion on you, not me. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Yeah, that's enough time now. So question three is a true or false one. Your favourite type gets you through medical school. You should use ice when treating a burn. True or false? Okay. I'm so unsure this week. Tough ones, right? I can normally look at it and think, mm, maybe I've got one or two, maybe I've got one, and sometimes I'm lucky and I've got two, or however it may go, but I genuinely have no idea how I'm going to score. But I will be finding out after this. Here's another podcast from the producers of Doctor Next Door that we think you're going to like. Ever yearned for the perfect pub to reveal itself from some unexpected alley? Well, The Moon Underwater is the podcast for you. Join me, John Robbins, and the lovely Robin Allender Hi. as we help a special guest create their dream pub. From the drinks behind the bar to the music on the jukebox, The Moon Underwater is whatever you want it to be. So, if you would like to join us in Desire's beating heart, search The Moon Underwater. Or maybe The Moon Underwater will search for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? 
Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, welcome back to The Doctor Next Door. Before the break, Dr. Neil asked me three more questions as I continue my medical training, and it's time for us all to discover the answers. Neil, remind us of question one, please. So your first question was, does the term Brassica oleracea relate to A, a collective name given for the bones in the ribcage, B, the collective name given to the cells in your brain responsible for digestion, or C, the collective name to a species of vegetable? I've gone for A and rib cage. David, this was a no. trick question this week. It's The answer is C, oh, the collective what? name given to a species of vegetable. Why are we starting to chuck it in vegetables now? That's not fair. <laughs> Making it challenging. Well, it is challenging. <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah, absolutely. The answer was C. So, Brassica oleracea relates to the series of vegetable things like cabbage, kale, cauliflower, broccoli, Brussels sprouts. And they are all varieties of the same species. And they are thought to be protective against cancers, good for your gut and uh, also a good source of vitamins and dietary fibre. So very important for your health and in terms of your healthy diet. I love the way you tried to make this slightly medically at the end, <laughs> just so you can throw me this curveball. Just, just to throw you Oh, yeah, of course. Ball. And don't forget, everyone, vegetables are good for you. Oh, thanks, doctor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Always remember to eat your five, oh, as right. Pepper says. Okay, it's good advice, though. Yeah. It's good advice. Okay, question two. What did we have? So you were suffering from a condition called paresthesia. What would your symptoms be? Would it be A... Temporary paralysis, B, a tingling sensation in your limb, or C, oversensitivity to smells. Now, I think I actually went to the doctors about this. Okay. Is it B? Absolutely. Wow. It Very is, good. Yeah, it's a tingling sensation in your limbs. It's because, um, basically, my arms kept falling asleep when I was asleep because I sleep with my hands under the pillow on my front. Yeah. And I've got such a big head that yeah. it weighs down on my skinny wrists <laughs> and I couldn't really move and them. And then you got pins and needles. Yeah, yeah and that was it. So I, I, I didn't go to the doctor for that only reason, but I had kind of tacked it on as a question at the end for him. Okay, fantastic. Yes. See, it's quite useful. It's absolutely right. So lots of different things can cause paresthesia. Um, relating to the nerves in, in your in your spine or as you were doing, laying on the nerves of your hand that can cause tingling and, and, and poor blood supply to that area and then the nerves wake up and start tingling. Uh, there are also medical conditions, things like diabetes and other things. So always worth checking out with your doctor if you're worried about that, as you rightly did. OK, so I've got a point for that. Very Excellent. good. We have one more question remaining. OK, so you've got 50-50 chance here. It's a true or false question. You should use ice when treating a burn. True or false? False. Absolutely. Yeah. Well done. That just, for me, that's not even acquired knowledge. That's just seems like a common sense thing that's built into the brain. Should be, isn't it? It, it would burn even more. more. It would be, it would be another burning sensation. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. I mean, ice can stick to the skin. It can damage that area of skin and make the healing worse. What you should do is immerse your burn in, in cool water, not cold water. And you can also apply a cool or wet compress for around 10 minutes after. It's really important to do that because what that does is it causes constriction of the blood vessels around that burn. And by cooling that area, you then, then stop the swelling, you stop damage to the cells around there, and you increase your likelihood of healing the burn better. Once you've done that, you need to keep your area obviously dry. 
You can wash it with soap, keep it clean and keep it cool. And you can sometimes apply things like Vaseline, petroleum jelly or other such things over the skin there to keep it covered because the skin gets damaged in that region and then becomes very easy to dehydrate. It becomes exposed to air and get damaged. So by covering that, you allow the moisture in that area of skin to be kept in. Um, sometimes people put a bandage over there to stop rubbing, things like that as well. Uh, so I managed to achieve two out of three good. in my medical training. Thank you. I didn't want to embarrass myself in front of Craig David. <laughs> and we know that he's going to be here imminently. So uh, I'm pleased about that. I hope you did well where you are. And of course, there will be three more medical questions coming our way, courtesy of the doctor on the next edition of The Doctor Next Door. In each episode of The Doctor Next Door, I bring a burning question to Dr. Neil. Now, there's a little bit of a theme running through again on this edition of the podcast, which happens from time to time. We started by talking about yawning, and now I want to talk about how to keep oneself awake. And so I'm asking you about coffee, because it was the London Coffee Festival last weekend. So it's a perfect opportunity to find out what we should all be doing when it comes to our caffeine intake. So let's start quite simply, with doctor, is caffeine good for you? So great question, David. There's lots of health reports and you'll see in the news articles saying caffeine is good for you, some articles saying caffeine is bad for you. I think overall, if you look at what's being said, caffeine in moderation, no more than, let's say, three, maybe five cups most per day is probably okay for you and probably does have some health benefits. It's certainly something that's been with us for centuries. You'll find it in coffee, in tea, in chocolate. And it's something that we have you know, used and harvested for many, many years. It's found, actually caffeine is, is, is an insecticide. So it's produced by these plants and it's contained in lots of the leaves of these plants to stop insects eating the leaves. Oh. Um, and you can find it in cola nuts, what makes Coca-Cola, coca beans, tea leaves, as well as coffee beans. And so it's, it's sort of lined on the outside and we've used it for many many years both as a stimulant and also as a painkiller in throughout history and science suggests that you know caffeine may have some health benefits but there also can be some negative benefits to it well let's let's get into those shall we i think there's two sides of the coin there what are the potential benefits of caffeine so caffeine as we all use is is really great to wake us up It, it gives us higher energy levels and makes us feel less sleepy Caffeine binds to these receptors in the brain called adenosine receptors and uh, then it therefore stops us being sleepy because uh, when you wake you have a lot of this adenosine chemical around, makes you sleepy and hence it helps us stay awake. So it can boost your energy levels, it can increase your metabolic rate so your heart rate is going up. It can. Some people use it for exercise performance. In fact a lot of sports drinks and things contain some caffeine because it clearly helps you know, the heart rate go up, the blood pressure go up and improve your exercise performance and there are some studies that show that actually caffeine can reduce your risk for example of heart problems in moderate amounts so consuming a small amount of coffee every day is probably good for you in terms of your cardiovascular health and I suspect the reason for that is it probably gives you a bit of you know an increase in heart rate an increase in blood pressure tests out tests out the system a little bit allows the blood vessels to relax and stretch and things like that which is probably good for your health long term. Well, let's look at the risks of caffeine, shall we? And I I speak from experience. When I first started doing breakfast radio uh, over a decade ago, I really wasn't kind of cut out for the hours, you know, um, and I thought coffee was the answer. And I had some awful side effects to the amount of coffee, like that kind of instant coffee as well, that bad stuff with the long life milk in it. And Mm -hmm. I was getting through, I don't know, 12 cups in a four hour period. Yeah. But... um, 
It wasn't. Wow, it wasn't. Lot. It wasn't very good for my tummy. No. Um, and what other symptoms did you get? Did you have your heart racing? Or I had my heart racing. Yeah. I had my my. I was shaking. Yeah. Heart racing. Is that an Eminem song? <laughs> Mom spaghetti. Uh, no. My, yeah. My hands were shaking. Uh, mm. My heart was racing. Um, I, I, as I say, tummy troubles, which we won't go yeah. into because yeah. I know some people might be preparing their dinner while listening yes. to this right now. Um, but. I, I really learned quickly firsthand because my body was telling me yep. that I needed to slow down on the caffeine intake and find another way. And we looked into things like matcha tea and oh, yeah. these these kind of alternatives that would hopefully create the same sense of, you know, being awake, yeah. but without those awful side effects. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, doing a, a, a kind of reading a little bit about it, the, the kind of half-life of caffeine, where it mm-hmm. stays in your body for like eight hours. Absolutely. So if, it's, even it's, if you're having those three to five cups a day. Yeah, it's that later hangover effect. And yeah, that, and I it's think awful. You, you're a prime example of that when we talk about, you know, not in moderation not in excess so three cups maybe five cups okay but you know 12 cups in a day is is a lot and one of the things it it does is it's habit forming so you probably went into a habit of you know everyone's around we have a mini break or we have a moment here i'm a bit Mm. tired i want to drink some coffee causes headaches in in some patients and it can also cause a lot of anxiety because we basically get a lot of adrenaline secreted as a response to caffeine being around the body so that's where you got your shakes and you know the tremulousness and also the tummy that's all part of that sort of adrenaline being secreted as a response to too much coffee and certainly that's bad for you in the sort of patients i see as as we've said caffeine can make your heart rate go up makes your blood pressure go up it makes that's how it wakes you up and i get a lot of patients for example who consume a lot of caffeine and then they end up having you know palpitations triggered by caffeine and cutting back some of that caffeine is actually helpful but i think again you know two three cups is probably fine um but when you start thinking about more then it can have some detrimental effects to you and you also become very addicted to it the habit forming aspect i know lots of people who for example you know five six cups of coffee a day if they don't have that they get almost a hangover in response to you know withdrawal from not having coffee headaches feeling sick feeling nauseous and so it's important to sort of take it in a degree of moderation though the you know bigger risks are perhaps less they can make you feel you know horrible as you've experienced and it's a challenge you know for anybody listening to this who feels they do drink too much coffee it, it kind of it's not your fault really because you just have to take a walk for a half mile anywhere yeah. in the uk or in fact around the world and it's just a coffee every other shop is a coffee it's all shop around us you can't yeah. get go to you can't go to the gym you can't go and get your car repaired without there being a little coffee shop in there so it's it's omnipresent Absolutely. Coffee. And yeah. sometimes, as you say, it's like a nice thing to do to, with your colleagues or with a friend or whatever to yeah. go and grab a coffee. Absolutely. And all of a sudden, you're having another one a couple of hours later when yeah. you're back in the office or whatever it may be. Yeah. And then you've got your five, six cups and yeah. and you just need to remember to calm it. Yeah, Moderation absolutely. is key. Yeah. And I mean, I'll, I'll go back to my experience. You know, sometimes in the morning, we'll all be getting ready for our lab cases and theatre and things. And there'll be coffee around. Someone will say, do you want a coffee? And if it's my day to operate, I'm always, no, thank you. Because it actually gives me really bad shakes. Oh so, wow! So I mean, you you will have noticed it as well. I mean, when you had twelve cups of coffee, you were probably feeling tremulous, and yeah. you know the show sounded great though. To be fair. <laughs> as always, <laughs> we had to slow it down in podcast form because I was talking so quickly. Um, yeah, but so I suppose you know, in, in in the world of medicine, just because of, you know the hours, particularly you know we've spoken about in the NHS and stuff. There must be a lot of coffee consumed. Absolutely. A lot of tea and coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a coffee fund. We have, you know, several different bags of coffee all over our office, different ways of making coffee all over the office, from plungers to dripping to machines to instant, the whole lot. 
all of the rituals are you know enacted in our in our workplace and i th- i think you're absolutely right you know it's part of the th- the culture of long shifts and yeah similar to you, early starts and late finishes becomes part of that do you uh, once again in case this is the first episode that you listen to i'm not comparing being a radio dj to being a, a doctor on the nhs i just want to make that clear <laughs> um so let's go back to what you said earlier neil because that's fascinating was it i hate to say trial and error when you realize you shouldn't operate if you've had a lot of coffee but was there one day when you scalpel in hand some unfortunate so-and-so laying on the bed and you were like, why is this happening? And you went, oh, because I had a double espresso. Yeah, I mean, it's not so much the um, the scalpel and the cutting. It's actually the, the delicate sewing up. You know, it's like almost we try to treat it as best we can, a bit like plastic surgery, though, you know, we're not as you know advanced as some of the plastic surgeons in terms of beautiful wounds and things when we put pacemakers. We try our best to keep things pretty. And I was just, I remember somebody had brought in some kind of fancy coffee they'd gone away somewhere and you know sometimes you get given this like try my new fancy coffee and it's like a hit and it knocks you out and I was yeah. like why is my hand so shaky when I'm trying to do this thing and then I thought okay right now I know <laughs> no more coffee again it was yeah. fine you can get through it because you can you know you, you, you develop techniques in which you steady yourself and other things but you know made me realise maybe I shouldn't have a cup of coffee before I'm doing this As I say at the beginning of every episode, Dr. Next Door isn't just about me and Dr. Neil. No, we love it when you get in touch too with your questions, stories or comments. You can do any time you like. Our email address is always open and wanting. And it's doctor at nextdoorpod.com. And of course, you can find us on the socials at docnextdoorpod. So here's this week's correspondence. It comes from Irfan in Bristol. Hello, Irfan. Thank you very much indeed for messaging us. And he says, Hi, Dave and Dr. Neil. I read an article towards the end of 2021 that said the UK is short by approximately 50,000 doctors and is well below the EU in terms of the amount of doctors we have per 1,000 people in the population. Why do you think we have such a shortfall of doctors? Is it too difficult to become a doctor in the first place due to the required qualifications? Is it too expensive and therefore stopping people from lower socioeconomic backgrounds entering the medical profession? Have things improved or gotten worse since last year? I would love to know Dr Neil's perspective as he has been through the journey of becoming a doctor and might have some insight into how his colleagues perceive it in the NHS. All the best from Erfan. Well, thank you very much indeed once again, Erfan. And Neil, this is a this is a really good question. And I suppose we don't want to just focus on doctors and the shortfall of fifty thousand. I suppose we want to open this out to healthcare professionals in general. Absolutely. I mean, I think Erfan, thank you so much for writing in, and you highlight such an important problem that we have in healthcare in general. We have a huge shortfall of staff throughout the healthcare you know society that that we work with and that as you say rightly Irfan's mentioned lots of things we've mentioned on an episode previously with Zoe Williams about access to medicine and training more doctors and funding to train more doctors giving you know people from different backgrounds the opportunity it is very expensive to train it is a long training program but I think the biggest thing that we're facing over the last two or three years is the impact and hangover from the pandemic And you see that in our workforce. We have nurses and healthcare workers who, out of the kindness and goodness of their heart, volunteered to do some really frightening shifts in really frightening places which were outside of their comfort zone. Nurses who maybe worked in the community, who went to the front line, 
put their you know PPE on, protective mask on, and and helped patients in intensive care outside of their usual training you know skill set in frightening experiences. These are people who have families, who have you know children at home, and at the start of the pandemic, certainly we you know we didn't know are we all going to get this? Is this going to you know affect us? Are we going to mm. end up on ITU? So these people have worked really hard, committed extra shifts, and I think you have a workforce now that is burnt out. They're exhausted. We don't have enough people in there. We used to have quite a large European、uh, workforce, and a lot of them have missed their family. You know, they want to go back home. They've spent two years. They've not been able to see their family. They've reassessed their life. They've reassessed what they wanted from life, and we've lost a lot of workforce. The other problem I think we have is is funding. Simple, simple as that. We can't fund enough doctors. We can't fund enough nurses. And as a society, it's also very expensive. We're not paying these people enough. I'll give you an example of you know care homes. We have a real problem in care homes. You know, people are paid nine pound an hour to work in a care home to look after the most vulnerable people in our society, the people who need us most, people who need help cleaning, the people who need help washing, the people who need help feeding, and they're being paid nine pound an hour to do a job that. Is not very, you know, it's rewarding in terms of what they do, but、mm. it's not certainly not financially rewarding. No, and it's really hard work, and it's stressful, and it's tiring. And they could say, well, I can just go and work in Costa instead.、Yeah. It's a better life. It's better, better pay for me. And that is part of the big problem that we face. You can only, I mean, well said, Neil. And I, I think you know, hearing you say it, you can only kind of、uh, rely on someone's want. And desire and goodwill to 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 do that, you, you know the shortfall in you know how expensive it is to live day to day, yeah, and you know the shortfall of like oh well I actually want to help older people and vulnerable people can only make it up to a certain degree. degree, and those people are heroes and they're wonderful and we we know that. But as you say, you realise you can get a few quid more working as a barista, then. I don't. I can't blame those people for making those choices in、Absolutely. life for themselves and their families either. Yeah, and you have a, this huge shortage because of that. And as a society, you know, we're getting an older population. We're getting more needs for these patients, and we have a huge need for these kind of work. And until we work out a way in which we can value these people, both you know, respected in terms of what their work is, but also financially, and make it you know something that's important and something that's you know seen as I want to be a carer. You know, I want to help. These people. I don't want to work in Costa or, you know, retail or whatever. I want to do this kind of job. It's rewarding and, and it's great. Makes me feel good, and I can come home and pay the bills with it. Until we can work out a way to do that, we're always going to struggle. And I think we face a huge,、uh, you know, Erfan's really brought home a really important point. How do we keep this healthcare system going? And you also rightly pointed out, you know, there's a lot of goodwill. We've always had goodwill. I've stayed late, and you know, nurses will stay late when the patient's sick. It's no issue, and no one's going to ask for extra money and things. But the pandemic has sort of resulted in a lot of exhaustion in staff. People will say, "I'm at the end of my tether," and therefore, you know, I can't give anymore. You know, I, my goodwill is 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 reduced. Well, Erfan,、uh, thanks once again for writing in. As Neil says,、uh, you raise a really interesting and important point in your correspondence to us.、Uh Personally speaking, I think Neil is absolutely right, but I also、uh, unfortunately feel we have a long road ahead when it comes to getting these medical professionals what what they deserve. Absolutely. 
And that's it for this episode of Dr. Next Door. As ever, thank you to my regular co-host and next door neighbour, Dr. Neil Srinivasan. Next time, we will again be discussing more myths, marvels and mysteries from the medical world. I'll have another burning question for Dr. Neil and we'll be answering more of your questions as well. Please do rate, review and subscribe from wherever you usually get your podcasts. And if you do know a doctor, nurse or medical professional who you think might like what you've just heard, then do let them know. Now... All this talk of caffeine has put me in the mood for a coffee. So, everybody, please. Get out of my radio studio. (laughs) Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. (laughs) Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was, like, wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. Like, you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.